Hello again. Welcome. This is On Mike with Jordan Rich, a podcast that celebrates conversation with creative people. And before we get to today's wonderful guest, I wish you all continued good health and happiness. It's been a challenging series of months, and there are more challenges to come, but we can get through this together. My guest today is a graduate of Naropa University's program in writing and poetics. Her name is Stephanie Raffalock, and she's the author of A Delightful Little Book on Aging. She believes very strongly in the power of story, and this book will inspire you, make you think, and make us all appreciate getting older. I met Stephanie when she came to Boston to record her audiobook at our studios, Chart Productions. We hit it off, of course, and I said, listen, before you go back to Austin, Texas, sit back and join me for conversation in the podcast studio. So now that the book is published and the audiobook is everywhere, it's time to unveil the conversation. Stephanie Raffalock, the author of A Delightful Little Book on Aging, I invite you now to join me on mic. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but uh, it's delightful to be here, to be older as we're here, and to continue to enjoy life at any age. And we're doing so with a lady who knows all about that. Uh, she is Stephanie Raffalock, as mentioned in the introduction, a delightful little book on aging. It's about time. That's the book, and it is about time. I think we have to have a different, more positive conversation about aging. Loved your book. Uh, first of all, I love the way you turn a phrase. Your your style is very sweet. And it's very funny. It's very real. But you look at these aspects of aging in a way that's, for once, uplifting. I mean, so many times age is, is oh, here we are, getting older again. Right, right. It's, it's either um, a disaster or it's a joke. It's the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. The truth is about aging, I think anyway, is that it is an incredible and noble passage. And I say it's a noble passage because anyone that has lived this long, you know, from like 50 and above, you've lived to tell the tale. You've been through it all, the grief, the sorrows, the pains, and the joys, and the celebrations. There is something to be said for holding both of those things in one's heart side by side. And doing life with that. It's like mm. it textures the heart in a way that opens you to a greater compassion. That's what being an elder is. Mm-hmm. One of the funny things these days is taking a look at the plastic surgery before and after, the celebrities that People Magazine likes to showcase. And uh, it's so refreshing to hear somebody suggest what I've always believed, that a wrinkle is earned. <laughs> and all of these sagging... Uh, the pieces of epidermis are earned. It means we've lived, we've experienced, and it's nothing to be ashamed about. Exactly. And, and I think we have to learn to see beauty differently. You know, we're, we're very oriented towards um, look and uh, looks and branding and, and all of that. But really, beauty is what you see in the heart. Nobody says of their aging mother, um, geez, I wish she would have gotten a lift, you know, before she died. I mean, I remember my mother's eyes more than anything because they were crystal blue and they were gorgeous till the day she died. And it's like the wrinkles were kind of like a, I don't know, a why bother? It didn't, it mm. didn't matter to me. Mm. What I saw in her, I saw in her eyes. And that's really the way we should be seeing each other. Let's talk about how the book is broken down. And by the way, it's it's a delightful little book, meaning in size. Yes, it's, it's literally it's, five by seven inches. And uh, if you have a coffee table, it won't push any of the other books off the coffee table, but it belongs there. And I love the way it's broken down, four headings. And I'd like to talk with you, Stephanie, about each heading as we go. The first heading, well, is is... 
for some people, certainly a downer, and that is the heading of grief. And you said it a few seconds ago. None of us, if we live long enough, escape it. It's always part of who we right. are. Truthfully, all aging takes place against a backdrop of grief. There is loss everywhere in our life. When you go from um, a toddler into kindergarten, it's mm. a real loss that you have to leave home and go be in this school during the day. When you grow from a, a kid into a teenager, there's a loss of childhood and innocence. Um, onward up through the years. But grief is something that we don't really face in this country. And grief is one of the great transformative forces of life. So love and loss, you know, it's like without loss, hmm. you don't ever really know love. And without love, the loss is unbearable. So grief is one of those things that I, I encourage people in my book. It's just like face it, meet it. We're all going to be textured by it in some way. Mm. There, there's a lot of philosophy down through the eons about grief and about death and about loss. And you said it best when you said, without it, how do we know what having something is really all about? Right, right. It's, they it's work a, side by side. It, 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 the universe it is so orderly in so many different ways, as mysterious as it is. But I thought that was a great way to open things up particularly for people in their, say, 60s and beyond, because we are unfortunately losing friends and relatives because that's just the way nature is. But we can do something about it internally after we deal with it. That's right. what I think you're saying. Right. You meet it, and then it just becomes part of you. You place it next to the joy in your heart. You carry both. It's never a one or the other. What I love about your philosophy and your take in the book is – well, I've sort of lived this too. Just because you pass a certain age or you get into a certain strata in life, it doesn't mean you can't, as Section 2 says, reclaim stuff that you might have had. I mean, going back to doing things that you've always wanted to do or or living a new dream, a new uh, exercise, a new habit that you wanted to get into, a new style of living. It's there if you want to just go out there and reach for it. That's what reclamation is. Tell us more. Well, reclamation is pulling back those pieces of ourself that we sort of broke off along the way. Hmm. Um, for me, I wanted to write when I got out of school, but there was a marriage and there was a mortgage and it's like, you know, life intervened. So I set that aside. It was like, broken off and, and put aside. So when I retired, I was able to reclaim those pieces and say, I still want to write. This is what I'm going to do. I don't think you're ever too old to dream. I have a story about a woman who lived down the hill from me. Her name was Austin. And she had had a long career as a psychotherapist. And uh, she was diagnosed with some kind of severe brain cancer. It was very quick moving. After her diagnosis, she built a studio on her land with a garage door that opened up into her garden. And she had one last burst of um, artistic creativity. She painted and she had one last show. And then she died. I thought, what a remarkable way to do life that still at the very end, she lived out her dream as fully as she could knowing that she had this diagnosis that, you know, time really was limited. 
just a remarkable woman, and I, I carry that story with me because I think we can all do that in some way or another. I had a grandmother who gardened till she went to sleep one night and didn't wake up. Mm-hmm. To quote the great philosopher James T. Kirk, how we look at death is as important as how we look at life. That's right. And how <laughs> we die has everything to do with how we live. And you mentioned something a few seconds ago. You said, when I retired, and I'm looking at you, and I've known you now for a couple of days because we've been working together on your audiobook. That's why it's a delight to do the podcast, have you on board. You don't strike me as the quote-unquote retired type. And I'm finding more and more people, thankfully, are not thinking, oh, it's time to sit on the rocking chair, collect the watch, and die. Right. It is right. so exciting now because many, many, many people are living longer in, quote, retirement than they are during their work life. Right. This is actually the best time to be old in history. Because, you know, like a car, we can replace certain parts. Yes. People get new knees. They get new hips. I had a neighbor lady across the street that had a stroke during the Super Bowl last uh, year. And it wasn't because of her team losing. Mm. But within 45 minutes, she was at a hospital that gave her a drug that began to reverse the effects of the stroke. So you didn't see that 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. And her recovery although somewhat slow, was not hampered by the loss of um, certain body functions that might have been so 20 years ago. So this is really a good time to be an older person. Yes, it is a good time. And one of the things that strikes me is the older I get, the less I think about being my age. I, I don't think like the the culture's telling me to think. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. believe, I feel the same as I did when I was 30. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I think in our minds we do, and, and in our hearts we do, and, and it's what's a little disconcerting about um, getting older. But there's also this cultural vibration that kind of creeps in that says um, you're not as relevant or you're insignificant or... Um, you should just rest now. You, you become an object of care as opposed to a sovereign individual. Mm. And so those are the myths that in my book I hope to dispel a little bit. But I think people have a chance at a, at a more fulfilling life now than ever before. Uh, a, because we do live longer. B, because of advances in medicine. C, because we just know more about how to live healthy lifestyles. Uh, but there's just no reason. You look at people like Warren Buffett, you know, he hasn't stopped. Or um, Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she's like the Energizer Bunny. She just mm-hmm. keeps going. And all around us are examples of living fully and richly and living well. The idea is to wring as much out of life as you can. Absolutely. We're talking about a delightful little book on aging by Stephanie Raffalock, and let's go to the third of the four chapter headings, and this one's called Vision. It's about what we're looking forward to, what we imagine. Tell tell us where you have thoughts on that. Do you remember when you were like 20 years old and you went to your first job interview? And somebody probably said something to you like, where do you see yourself in five years? Exactly. And so for some reason, once we hit retirement age, we stop asking ourselves that question. Where do you see yourself in five years? You know, hopefully above ground is usually the answer. 
but I think it's good to have a sense of vision for every phase of one's life. And this phase of one's life, there's a lot of what I would call psycho-spiritual work that goes on. I'm an older person now. How do I want to live? What do I want to give back to the world now that I'm in my 60s, my 70s, my 80s? And that's what vision is. Um, vision is not just a list of goals. It's not just a list of dreams. It really has to do with the core of us. It almost is time to say we've done the acquisition. We've acquired yes. because we had to and because we wanted to. And it doesn't mean we're going to stop, but it means now we can turn around and give back. We can give back, and I think the attention goes inward. Mm. It's a time of reflection. That's what, you know, older age is about, to reflect upon life in a way that you can give back your gifts to the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, the book is filled with stories of your past and some very adorable stories and very touching stories. But as you were writing about your days as a school kid, I laughed out loud as I was reading it because I was one of those kids in class that watched another kid do what I'm doing. I'm sh showing her an, an action with my, I'm placing my palm under my arm, armpit and, and elevating my right arm. And the idea is to create a certain sound that embarrasses people. It is a farting you sound. You put me right back into fourth grade. And I, I, I'll admit, I tried to make that sound. I was in, un, incapable of making that sound. So I just had to enjoy it when others did it. Right. No, but in all, in all comic relief seriousness, you look at the importance of smile and laughter at any age. And there's nothing more cool than seeing a baby smile. But actually, there's nothing more cool than seeing a 95-year-old smile. Right on. Right on. Right? Um, laughter is what balances everything out. You know, we've all got to lighten up a little bit. And I think humor is what keeps us going in life. So I, I'm still grinning at you placing your hand under your arm and <laughs> flapping your arm going for that farting sound because that was that's what guys did. That's what little boys did in the fifth and sixth grade. Absolutely. And if you were a proper little girl, you never, you know, you never laughed at them. It was like, ew. But I look back and it's There, there it's is funny. something, Stephanie, to be said for having memories and then telling stories about those memories. You and I were discussing off-air about the, the beauty of the podcast, which is now an extension of radio, which is really a storytelling medium of its finest. And when you get older, oh, yeah, I remember that year when that song by the Eagles came out. I was uh, driving a certain kind of hot rod and right. whatever it might be. Right. You, you have a rich tapestry of story that you can then bring to the world. Well, stories are how we connect um, with other human beings. And I think as we grow older, a lot of our stories that we tell are about reframing. You know, there are certain things that happen in childhood that you look back and they're cringers. But you look back at that story from the vantage point of being 60, 70, 80, and you reframe it into, that was really pretty funny. And that's part of the process that happens as we age. We reframe. I, I don't trust memory to be exact. Memory really, you know, a newspaper reporter can't mm. get it right from a Wednesday to a Thursday, right? Memory is one of those things that is, it's the facts, yes, but it's also the emotion, um, mm. the feeling tone, 
the sense of what was going on culturally. And we do need to reframe those things to make them feel like healing moments in our life instead of um, moments to despair. And out of memories such as that, art is born often. Uh, Oh, yeah, because art, creativity comes from the mud, from the chaos. Mm. You know, what's the thing about the lotus blossom? It grows out of the mud. So um, I think I heard an interview with um, Don Henley at one point where he talked about creativity comes from the dark. It comes from the chaos. It Mm. comes from the revisioning and the reframing of things and... That's how you. That's how we make sense of the world. There are, of course, other elements beyond the four in the book and in the work you're doing and in the joy of telling this work. And one of them has to do with movement. With <laughs> uh, and it's not just physical movement, although that's so key. Uh, uh, I remember watching years ago uh, Don Amici. I don't know if you remember that name. He was right. winning the Academy Award for Cocoon. And here's a guy who came out of semi-retirement in the age of 83 or 85 and won an Academy Award. Um, big movie guy, so I love the older actors. You know, Clint Eastwood is 90 just about and still right. making movies. But the point is movement, keeping active, getting out there. And it doesn't necessarily mean running a marathon. No, it means engagement. Engagement with the world as fully as you can. Uh, I love the story about Don Amici, that he did that. I mean, I've got a million stories about uh, individuals in my own life and whom I admire. Uh, Grandma Moses, I hate, it sounds like a cliche, but she was painting in her into her 90s. So many of these people have just thrown out the, the stereotype, just right. thrown it out the window, and I love that. And I think we're going to do more of that. I hope that we're going to do more of that because the world needs our generation now. We need our elders now more than before. And we need to return to a time of intergenerational learning where older people learn from younger people and younger people learn from older people and there is a mutual respect across the board. In a galaxy far, far away it happened. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Come on. Well, Yoda. There's hoping. <laughs> there's hoping. I keep falling back on my childhood references. Uh, there's another thing, too, and you, you spent a little bit of time on this, and boy, did this resonate with me, the power of the word no. <laughs> and it's not uh, no, I'm being Mr. Negative, but no, I need to protect myself and, and right. nurture myself. Explain. You cannot say yes to everything. When you first retire... Every volunteer board within a 40-mile radius will find you like a heat-seeking missile. And they will ask you to sit on their board or to volunteer at their events. Mm. And, you know, I mean, all that stuff sounds great. And, yes, why not? Except that you can't do it all. The truth is you couldn't do it all when you were in your 30s. And you can't do it all in your 60s and 70s. So um, discretion is a good word to practice. Uh, no, just, and no. Just, <laughs> just say and, no. And the consequences are never dire. The people who say yes all the time, as I used to, think, oh, my God, if I say no, I'll be disliked. I will be distrusted. I will let people down. Believe me, it's not the case. And you'll never get another invitation. Yeah. <laughs> which isn't true. There yeah. are always invitations. There are always Absolutely. ways to share your gifts. Speaking of gifts, this one's a gift to the readers, a delightful little book on aging, but it's not the end of this particular path. 
It's a trilogy you have in mind. It so is a trilogy. We would love to look into the future and see what's next. Well, Into the Future in spring of 2021, um, She Writes Press will release a delightful little book on nourishment. And the premise of that book is that nourishment is about so much more than what we eat. Excellent. And then has to be one more if it's a trilogy. The one more, uh, which hopefully will be 2022, is a delightful little book on love. Love it. And you mentioned She Writes Press. She Writes Press is my publisher. Brooke Warner is its star. She has an amazing business model. She has created a sisterhood of uh, writers that is just phenomenal. And I love being a part of this group. I know a lot of my fellow writers that are published by this company and it's just a joy, an absolute joy. It's so cool to see the First Amendment in action. Uh, thanks to technology and also to opportunity, you've got this podcast called Coffee Table Wisdom. And uh, by the time this airs, I will have been a guest on yours. That's right. But you've also got the books and, and speaking engagements and um, a real passion for what you're doing now. You sound like the happiest person <laughs> I've met today. It's good to have purpose. <laughs> it's definitely good to have purpose. And it's definitely good to love life. I, you know, I wake up every morning and I try to remember to say thank you. Thank you for this day. Gratitude is attitude. Nothing yep. better. You got it. I want to thank you so much. It's just getting to know you uh, very briefly in a professional sense, but also in a in a somewhat more personal way has been really great. And I wish you the best with all the books and all the projects. Thank you. And I had so much fun recording my book with you guys. Yeah. It was we, just a blast. We're 12-year-olds, so yeah. you, know, you, you, get, you get into that mindset. Yeah. Thank you again, Stephanie. Thank you very much. Stephanie Raffalock, the book again, a delightful little book on aging, available everywhere. And check out the audiobook version narrated by the author herself. As always, I want to thank those who helped produce the program, Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, Ken Carberry of Chart Productions, and a special thanks to all of you for subscribing and downloading the podcast with listeners all over the globe. Until next time, this is Jordan saying be well so you can do good. Take care. <laughs>